creativity goes beyond a pencil and a paintbrush. Hello, creative people, and welcome to I Am Creative. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. So what are we doing here? We are really diving into this word creativity and what it means. In all of the conversations that I have had, nobody has ever defined creativity as drawing or painting. People have defined creativity as your soul's essence, that magic spark, how you show up in the world. What my true mission is, is to really expand this definition and allow people to be able to see themselves in it. Because when people see themselves in this definition, when they've never been told that they fit inside of it, they stand up straighter. They feel like they have something to offer the world and basically are happier humans. So these conversations are structured on three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think that it's important? So let's just dive right in. So my inspiring guest for today is Anne Lasse. She is a holistic life coach who helps people get to know the gritty, real, authentic versions of themselves and live an integrated, connected life true to who they are. She draws on her own life experience to support people with huge empathy, care, and an uncanny ability to connect the dots. And so happy that you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the space. So as we dive in, I would love to start. Could you please share a fun fact about yourself? I can. My fun fact is that I spent three nights in the wilderness by myself um, with nothing but a journal, a sleeping bag, a tarpaulin, a little bag of food and some water. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair question. Um, I was part of a leadership development program, an outdoor leadership development program that I did, um, and that was part of what we had to do. And I got given a little piece of land that I wasn't allowed to leave. So tell me, okay, so this experience, so that's, that's incredible. Um, What did you learn from that? Like, how did that feel? Were you scared to death? Were you like, yay, this is going to be fun. Were you really pushing your boundaries? Like, tell me a little more. Yeah, I was pushing my boundaries. I think there were, because I didn't have a tent or anything. I, I had possums coming, trying to eat my food right by my head. That was probably the most uncomfortable part about it. (laughs) but also I just lost complete track of time which has never happened to me because we didn't have a watch or anything either um and I just had no idea what day it was or when I was going to be picked up again it was it was a bizarre experience but an experience where you just have to sit with your thoughts right I was exhausted a little bit as well because we've been doing a lot of physical activity so I slept a lot, but when I was awake, it was just me and my brain and this notebook. So I took lots of notes, a lot of self-reflection. Mm. Just thinking like that's, it is pretty amazing to, I mean, living in this world that we live in now, we have all of these um, luxuries in a sense. Yeah. We have the luxuries of, you know, a bed, of, of, of shelter gratefully of of all of these things of time and this just even the topic of time like that's a whole topic in itself where we could talk for hours and hours yeah 
yeah. like prior to having watches and and what people did in order to figure out the with sundials and all of this to be able to figure what time it was and how that was created. Mm. Yeah, it was, I appreciated a lot from having that experience about what I had in my life. 100%. And the time feels so different when you're not looking at a clock. Right? Yeah. So then when you got picked up, how did that feel when you got picked up and you were taken back home? Or to the next spot. I'm trying to remember as many, many years ago. I think it was a bit of relief. Like, oh my gosh, I made it through because it felt so long. And even just to see people again and, yeah, feel connection to others. It felt a lot longer than three days. It felt like forever. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a relief is what I felt. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Good start. Okay, so let's dive in. And Anne, how do you define creativity? Oh, I define it really as the outer expression of one's inner world. Um, and by inner world, I mean maybe ideas, desires, emotions, thoughts, um, the free expression of whatever's going on on the inside. And I think the other thing that I want to bring into that definition is that what is on the inside is a result of experiences, of listening to other people, um, of being in the world. And yeah, it's taking that information, interpreting it in your own unique way, and then expressing it outwardly in some way. I love it because it's, we all have stories. Yeah, it's so much of what you're saying is we all have experiences. So you and I could be experiencing something together in tandem, like we're experiencing this, but you have your own set of of ideas of of things that happened prior to this, which could then affect this experience. Some people come in and they're terrified. They're just like, oh, my gosh, am I going to say the right thing? Do I need to map everything out of what's going to be talked about? Do I because they've had that experience of whatever in the past where there's yeah. more, there's more fear based where other people come in and they're just like, whatever, we'll have the conversation we have and I'm comfortable just free flowing. And it's just, so everything that you're saying in this is, yeah, it is all on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really powerful. Okay. So take us a little bit on a, on a journey of you, please. Um, I know it's kind of broad, but wherever you want to start, because I know you did landscape architecture, but even before that, if you want to start prior, wherever, on this concept of what you just said, the um, connection, um, the inner, the outer expression, take us, take us on a journey of who you are, please, and how you ended up to where you are now. Yeah, okay. Um... I feel like I do want to go back to my early childhood because it felt really transformative um, in many ways. And, yeah, I had this wonderful childhood. I grew up in Christchurch in New Zealand. That's where I come from. Um, and I had a very privileged upbringing. I had a lot of opportunity given to me to explore all of my interests. 
Um, and I had a lot of them. I had a very broad interest space, um, music. I learned music for a very long time. I loved art. I loved reading and learning. Um, and what I think I really loved the most, though, was being outside. I had a family that enabled us to go camping and to be outside a lot and do tramping, or as the rest of the world knows it, hiking. <laughs> In New Zealand, we call it tramping. Uh-huh. Um, and my favorite place of all was my nana's house by the sea and we spent a lot of holidays there and we swam and we mucked around in boats and we explored the seashore and being outdoors I just felt so free and able to be myself um and so the reason I wanted to talk a little bit about that childhood is because I think that's what led me on this path of wanting to pursue a career in landscape architecture it was really a way that I felt like I could balance the different sides of myself, bringing together an interest in the more sciences and the arts. Um, And I loved the degree. It was a lot of fun. I felt free to be creative um, and I loved learning about it. But I graduated in 2008, which was mid-global recession. And so there wasn't a lot of work opportunity. And so I had to get pretty creative. Um, I had I ended up setting myself up as a sole contractor and I contracted my time to a lot of different firms. And I, yeah, I I also had a lot of fun there. I was growing, um, I think, interestingly, one of the highlights during that time, I, I was working for this, yeah, one of my employers. He was, he had a house by the sea and we didn't have a lot of work on at this time. And he said, come in anyway, I'm not going to pay you, but let's go kayaking. And so we did that and we um, went kayaking with the dolphins. So that was, I think that was the highlight. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, but I wasn't getting, I guess I wasn't getting a full-time um, wage at this point. I was just kind of filling and keeping my toe in the door and gaining experience and so I had to be super persistent and I think persistence is a big theme in my life um and I was I contacted a lot of firms and I did end up getting my first job as a landscape architect um but <laughs> the when I got into the career it was really challenging it was a very competitive industry and um I felt that I was having to prove that I could make it, show what I have. There was a lot of critique. It's, I guess design critique is something that we have to deal with a lot. Um, and I realized I wasn't really prepared for this environment and I didn't have any support in it. Um, and so I was. I noticed that I had low self-esteem, that I was struggling with resilience and communication skills, and then obviously as a result getting poor feedback. And so it was a bit of a negative loop. Um, and my brain though, it helped me in a way, maybe, maybe it's my ego that that took over at that point and was like, no, I can do this. I'm going to prove that I can do this. And so I did, I worked really, really hard. I changed my environment and I did work my way up and became successful as I had wanted to define it at that point. Um, and I was working on some really fun projects. I was working on projects that were feeling aligned with my values. They had environmental components, recreation components, and I was helping shape the future of our city to help deal with problems like climate change. That felt really nice. And I took on a team leader role 
um, and I was able to support younger graduates coming in and give them the support that I didn't have at that point. And so that felt really rewarding. I loved that. Yeah. But at the same time, I was a mum. I had a one-year-old by the by this point. Um, and I was trying to do everything. I was trying to work what was five days worth of work, really, in three. And then I was trying to come home and be the mum that I wanted to be. And I was feeling guilty on both fronts. So it was exhausting. And I had had this idea brewing in the back of my mind for some years based on what I'd seen in the industry, which was some frustrations around actually getting results, right? We're trying to advocate for good project outcomes and get good results for our community and then for the planet. But it's challenging when we're not taught communication skills that we need, the leadership skills that we need to actually be successful at that. And so it can be frustrating because you feel like you're constantly hitting your head against a brick wall and not getting anywhere. Right. And so I, I kept mulling over how can I be part of the solution to this problem. Um, but then the catalyst to that really was a move from New Zealand to Germany, which was for my husband's job. Um, but it gave me a chance to kind of step outside my reality and reflect on everything. And I found myself in this foreign country. I had a two-year-old by this point. Um, I didn't have language proficiency and I had a false expectation of how long it would take to learn a foreign language. Um, and so I was quite lonely. It was the middle of the pandemic as well. And so that was a tough moment. And I, and in this moment, I, I guess by chance met a coach. Um, and I didn't really know what coaching was at this point. Um, and so she told me about it and I thought, oh, this is what I wish I had known about for a really long time. Mm. And uh, I went, ended up going through her coaching program and, and trained to be a coach myself. And that, so this really tough move to Germany ended up being something that was life-changing and very freeing. And so now I, yeah, I get to coach people, impact-driven professionals to help them have more meaning and fulfillment and integrity in their life and their work. And it's so rewarding. I feel more free and creative now, I think, than I have since my childhood. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. First, there's a lot of things I want to comment on, but I really appreciate a lot of the words that you use, which I want to just kind of mention again, which was persistent, resilience, communication. So, I mean, so much of this is in this whole problem solving and this in this in creativity and making things. If you give up, this whole idea of persistence, if you gave up, if you gave up in this competitive space that you were in then who knows it's always like kind of like the movie sliding doors you know it goes one way it goes the other way which choice are you going to make I mean we're making decisions all the time so so life is kind of like this ebb and flow but this persistence and this resilience which you obviously had and in the beginning you didn't feel so successful but then you became successful so in becoming successful did that mean that you were earning more money is that what success yeah. meant or you were being uh, acknowledged more? What did success mean? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I define it completely differently now, but back then I I think it was. It was about money. It was about recognition from other people. It was about, yeah, climbing the ladder. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's kind of like the societal norms of, yeah, you're exactly. obviously successful if you're yeah. making money and you're being acknowledged and you're but then what's so cool from what it from what you said and what I heard was then you became this team leader and you mm. gave people something that you wanted, which you didn't have. It, it's you wanted the support. Yeah. So that's pretty cool that you then found yourself. It's like really cool segues, right? It's so many times we end up. I just wrote um, a mini chapter about this is we have a lot of jobs, which you, we don't all necessarily like, but we learn these skills yeah. in order to take us to where we are now. So yeah. you, you became this team leader and you gave, you gave them the support that you didn't have. And then you became a mom and all of these things. And to where you are now, it's, I'm so glad that you're feeling really fulfilled right now. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I think the maybe it was a changing point in the team leader role for me and seeing that the effort that I put in to get to that point was so that I could be there to help others not go through that process in the way that I had gone through it. Yeah, that's so much of everything, right? It's even I have to say, like for, for me, for teaching, and teaching art for like 30 years in many different spaces and places. I did a lot of non-traditional, but then I did traditional, meaning actual classrooms. And the non-traditional was more artists and residencies and my own businesses and all this kind of stuff. But but when I'd end up in the classroom, I'd always be like, why am I here? Like, I, I, I didn't like school. Like, why do I keep ending up in a school? <laughs> but... Funny. What I realized it was always for wanting to make it better, like wanting to provide better experiences for people in those spaces because I knew how I felt. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, so when you're that kind of person with that kind of heart, you 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 want to be there to to you know nurture and provide, and because we are our own best client. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's not always easy necessarily to find your way to be in a position where you are able to help people in that way that you want to. I think that can also be a challenge. Yeah. You know, I really thought it was interesting too when I had this form that I had, I have everybody fill out who's going to be on the podcast. And I say, um, please give me three words that to describe yourself. And you said courageous, determined listener. Mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what I wrote down, but that, <laughs> that rings true. Yeah, because even in even in all that you went through, when you felt like you you weren't being successful in the beginning of landscape architecture let's say even going back to that there's courage mm. in, in moving forward in the persistence because you could have just gave up yeah yeah it's interesting it was I think partly courage partly 
not wanting to feel like I had failed, like that was scary to me. But now looking back, I'm glad that I did persist. And yeah, I think that taught me a whole lot about myself and about what it feels like to go through challenge and to keep going. And I think as a result, my empathy and compassion for others have grown by sticking with that and choosing the harder road. Mm, Choosing the harder road. So then you move to another country where you don't speak the language Mm -hmm. and you have a young child. Yeah. (laughs) And you're starting over. Like your husband's going to have his tribe because he's going to work and he has his people and all that. And you are, I understand kind of being in a sense, it's not the language barrier, but when my husband, we were from the East coast, I'm from Philly, he's from Jersey and he went to California and he went to grad school and I ended up moving over there. So here I was in California with, I didn't have a job. I went there for him Mm. and when we're dating and we'd be at a party when people were, you know, it was, uh, he did directing theater, film and video. So there was a lot of actors and actresses and big personalities. And they'd be like, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm an art teacher. <laughs> Did you lower your voice? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, everybody's on stage all the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just, I went there not knowing anybody, but then I got a job and jobs and I, I built my tribe. And But it took time. Yeah, it takes time. Yes, I had, I think expectations are so important, right? The expectations you set for yourself and for your experiences. Um, Because I think there's a real danger and if you do get it wrong, I I try to practice now not setting expectations as much as possible. It's obviously you do, um, but I, I try to check in with myself and see what expectations I am setting because until you do something, you really don't know what it's going to be like. And so you're always going to have a false expectation until you know the reality. And for learning the language for me, I had a really big false expectation of how long it would take and what it would feel like as well. I thought there'll be a point where I'm just like, oh, I can speak and then everything will get easier. But it's a much slower road. (laughs) Um, And yeah, trying to build connections with people in a foreign language. I mean, even now it's nearly been three years. And it's still really challenging. Like there's some, I have some friends where I do only speak German with, but I, I feel like I'm only a part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that expectation piece, I think, was a big learning for me. Yeah. So tell us more about, so here in your coaching business, give us a little bit about, you know, who your clients are, who you like, who, you know, your client is and, um, you know, maybe what you've been finding more so now with people's challenges. Yeah. um, It's interesting. There's so much, like I've worked with a very diverse range of people. Um, I finished my coach training at the end of last year, so it's still fairly fresh. Um, But there's so much overlap where the the human condition, right? Like it's, it's there and um, we all struggle with really similar kinds of things. Yeah. Um, identity, belonging, um, purpose, like what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. How do I find more meaning in my work? 
um, or how do I overcome this particular problem? I keep going around and around in circles and I'm not making any progress. Mm-hmm. Another common one that I see is like analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. Not like trying to, I think it comes from perfection, right? Trying to yes. trying to get the perfect result and therefore not taking any action towards getting it and then feeling really stuck. Um, so, yeah, I try and help people just take imperfect action one step at a time. Ooh. And then what you find is when you start doing that is that it becomes clearer where you're actually trying to get to because you can't plan everything out. Until you start. (laughs) Cannot plan everything out until you start. Yes. What I've noticed is that um, it's really starting younger and younger, this whole perfectionism thing. Mm. Literally down to kindergarten. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I've actually been seeing with my own experiences of being in settings. And then um, I'm a supervisor at a college where I work with art teachers and going into the classrooms and seeing, seeing this, it's, that's what the student teachers are saying too, is a lot of kids are hesitant to do something because they're scared to make a mistake. Yeah. That's so sad because it feels so, you feel like you're in a cage. I mean, I I come from this, I guess this mindset myself and it's something that I've had to work to work to overcome. And I think it really does come from this place of wanting to feel like you are accepted by others and belong um, and not feel, yeah, not being willing to fail or fail, failure feeling really scary. Mm-hmm. And so I guess as a society, we must not be accepting failure. And then that, like, you bring it back to the creativity, right? Like, that feels fundamental to being able to freely express yourself. And so I, I worked a lot on this myself and just, it took a long time, right? I, I had to start just being okay with, okay, if I get this wrong, then that's probably going to feel horrible, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then the more mm-hmm. I did it, the easier it got. And I'm like, okay, that is not so bad. It's not what everyone said it would be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you have to fail. I mean, it, it's how many iterations of something have, you know, in, for an inventor to invent something, which we're all inventing all the time. Um, if we're talking about, you know, the simple thing of Thomas Edison and electricity, like how many times did he fail in order to get it working? The um, uh, like when I watch gymnasts, what the hell is the learning curve on that? I mean, when you're jumping and twisting and doing all that stuff, like that didn't just come naturally. There was a really there was a whole bunch of mistakes that happened before they were able to like stab the landing or whatever the word, the vocabulary is for that to land on your feet. Um, can't even imagine how do you remember? I don't know if this was of your time or um, it was only like within the States. Evil Knievel? Kind of. Like I know that name, but I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> he was back in the 70s, 70s or 80s. He was a motorcycle guy that did these crazy stunts. And he would just like, 
he would do jumps like over, I don't even know, one of them was like a whole bunch of buses that were lined up and he would jump and he would go over like 50 buses on his motorcycle kind of thing. Like what the hell that guy, this guy broke every bone in his body. Oh my gosh. And And he would just like do it again because he was persistent. He was driven like this was his thing and he was not backing down. Until. And you would never have achieved the results without having to go through that, right? Like that is your learning, your your playground, your learning path. <laughs> so much. It's mad. So sometimes when you see, I mean, I, really, I mean, that is kind of a goal for each and every one of us is to have this in whatever it looks like for you, I would say, is this persistence to screw yeah. up, to say, you know what, there's the contrast. That didn't work so well. How can I tweak that to get more towards my vision? Because everybody has a different vision. Um, And just keep going. Yeah. I think your ability to do new things, you adapt, right? Like you take it in steps that that you're able to hold. Like if I think back to myself, even a year ago, the idea of recording a video or even putting a photo of myself online, say two years ago, was terrifying to me to put mm-hmm. myself out there. And now I'm able to record videos of myself online. And so, yeah, nothing's happened. Nothing bad's happened. Maybe I'll, maybe someone won't like me, but that's not everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like getting over ourselves and getting my son's not going to listen to this so I can use him as an example. So my son, he's 23 and he, um, he is a real estate agent now and he's, he's doing well, like just starting in, in what he's doing. And he's like, Oh my God, if people saw me in high school and saw the way I'm dressing, you know, the car that I want to get. And he's like, they're going to think I'm an asshole. And they're going to think, what the hell is that? Is that Jared? Like, because the way he's presenting himself and there's kind of a fear in a sense of how are people going to perceive me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jared, you're going to be one of those people up on the billboard. Like, hey, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, oh my gosh, people are going to be like, who is he? But it. He's also, you have to step outside. I think it's Jen Sincero, the author in her whole badass series of books. Her coach once said to her, are you going to be the person that's cool and going against everything and poor? Which not to say that everybody is poor who does all this, but or are you going to be the person that is willing to put themselves out there on a billboard in a magazine or something dressed in a different way and have money? Are you willing to do it? And she's just like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What comes up for me when you say that is, is, and there's another piece to that, I think, which is like, if you are able to be true to who you are in your core and you take action towards that, then it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks because you're true to who you are. And I think where you fall into trouble is if you're deciding to take steps towards something to try and be somebody else that you're not, that's against your values or against your grain, because then potentially your your goal might be to please others, but you might not please anyone, including yourself, right? Like, So I think the ability to be able to 
understand yeah. how you're actually feeling, express that to yourself, understand what your own needs are, who you are as a person, and to be you in your at your core. That feels like the most important part to me. Thank you for that. So yes, which pretty much takes back to your definition from the beginning, where you said it all comes from the inside. It's there's a part to where I, I would say and expand on and what you just said is, is yeah, you're being exactly true to who you are. At times we have to step out of that. Well, we have we have to challenge ourselves to do things that make us uncomfortable, but it still is with our values and our morals. Yes. Like yes. it's but we're expand it's expansion. Yeah. In order to do the uncomfortable to then step further into what we stand for. Exactly. Because, because if we have a message, I know for me, my message is not about me, Hollis. It's mm. it's not about me. It's it's bigger than me, which is why I'm like, okay, yeah. I, I've turned purple when I when I talk. Um at times I've gotten a lot better. But it's like, okay, whatever, put me on a stage. I could be as purple as anything, but I have a message to share and it doesn't matter. It's not about me. Yeah. Yeah. And on, on that, like speaking on stage, I, I have the same, like I, I'm also getting better that I feel really uncomfortable speaking in front of a whole lot of people. And sometimes I do blush. Um, and yeah, I think the more that you are comfortable with who you are, the less that becomes a problem because then you're not thinking about yourself and how you're being perceived because you're just fine. And then you're able to focus on the people out there, the reason that you're doing it and how you can serve them. Yeah. Yeah. Get over ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Okay. So let's kind of learn a little bit more about you and in the sense of how do you incor incorporate now today like more creativity into your own world mm. it's funny because i've come from a very creative industry right working as a landscape architect um and there was an element of creativity in my life then and yet i feel so much more creative today than i have mm. forever and i think yeah it's because i feel a lot freer um and so today how i incorporate it into my life I'm making sure that I'm building in time for the creative things that I like to do, music and art. Uh, but I think maybe the more interesting part is in coaching. Um, I, I actually find coaching really creative because it is a process of active listening, a lot of listening to the person in front of you and partnering with that person. You're taking in everything that they're, they're telling you or even showing you through their body language. And then you have to go through that interpretation process and then this applying this filter, which is yourself, right? And then coming out with saying something, which is usually a question or it might be an observation, um, which is an on-the-spot and very much using intuition and creativity to have that conversation. Um, so that's one way I think that I use it a lot. Um, and even just creative language, I work with people a lot even with art-based coaching um, and use of metaphor, so using a lot of visual language. Um, and then the other thing 
that I find interesting when I was reflecting on how I bring it into my life is actually in my relationships and particularly parenting. Um, I went through this parenting course with my family, your parenting mojo, and so I have to give credit to them for this uh, for this method, but it's very much about understanding the emotions of all of us here in our family, our needs, and then having creative problem-solving conversations to help meet the needs of all of us in our family, and we're doing that on a really regular basis, and so we're having to draw on different ideas. How do we okay, you've got this need, you've got this need, how are we going to find something that works for both of us? Um, so that's another way that, it, that I see it coming through. Those are such beautiful examples. And thank you so much for, because that's what this whole podcast is about. It's about really expanding this definition and how we incorporate it into our lives. So in your coaching where you say, you know, creative language, active listening, Listening is a creativity Mm -hmm. because if you are listening, then you're able to create deeper connection and you're able to like the whole thing you said with, with, with metaphors and, and I'm pausing because I'm just like thinking of the right words. Listening is such a huge thing that so many people do not really take the time to do. Yeah. So true. And when you're actively listening within as a human on a one-to-one individual basis within your business, people really see then it creates these safe spaces where people are feeling heard. If you're doing sales, you should be an active listener more than an active talker. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Because then it builds up trust. It builds up your, your actually, you can have a conversation instead of just talking about yourself or it's just not a, you're not creating a two way street. So that is so important. And then the whole thing with parenting, you're creating like these deeper connections by having conversations and really knowing the people in your family. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's. What I've learned, like as soon as you said that, is like with my kids being being older, but along the way, like my daughter, the 20, she's 20. And so many things that she says is she's like, uh, you realize if you push me to do something and say no all the time, I'm just going to do it anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, who is the parent in this relationship? And it becomes kind of like this push pull kind of thing of this ego of this power struggle in a sense. Mm. But she's very clearly stating, I'm just letting you know, if you push me, and I don't want to do it, you're not listening to me. And I'm just going to do something behind your back. She's like, would you rather me do it behind your back or do you want me to tell you? Yeah. I'm like, uh, can I think about it for a minute? <laughs> There's been a few situations where I'm like, can I think about that? But I'm like, why am I thinking about that? No, of course I want you to tell me. I'm just uncomfortable with this situation. Yeah. It goes back to me. It's like, I'm just uncomfortable, but she's just being honest. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I think that that's very true. And 
it requires a lot of work on yourself, right, to be able to have those kind of conversations. Um, yeah, I had to do a lot of inner work to be able to not not react in a way where I'm like, that's not an acceptable need for you to have right now because it's <laughs> affecting me. <laughs> um, and just be like, okay, take a breath. We'll just pause. And then, okay, I'm going to listen to what you're saying. And then I'm going to actually think about what my need is in this rather than just reacting. And then we can have like a constructive conversation and come up with a different, different way of doing something that I might never have thought of. Yeah. So much creativity and all that, but it's understanding. So parents out there understand you're going to screw up. You're going to this whole thing of react, respond. Like, I don't always react appropriately, whatever that means. There are times where I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's what I'm just like, okay, Hollis, like, this is not, this is not, you know, helping a situation. And what I, again, going back to my daughter, what we really established, which was something that, cause we were butting heads for a while and she was able to communicate with me. I need you to tell me when you walk away, when you're coming back. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. She said, because you can walk away and not come back. And I'm still really upset. Yeah. And I need to know when you're coming back. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God she can, because it's just, it's a fear of abandonment. Yeah. That's beautiful that she can articulate that. Right. Mm. So really it's kind of like when you think about it in anything is like when you have a communication with someone, if you're at work or a friendship or with your child, it's this whole thing of somebody gets annoyed and goes away and it doesn't feel like there's closure. There's it's incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that communication piece is so important of knowing how you're actually feeling and being able to communicate because until you know what's going on on the inside, you can't tell anyone else. Right. Mm. All on the inside. This is like this is like a little loop here we got. It's all on the inside. Oh yes, I'm a fan believer. So tell us a little bit about your what music um, interests do you have? Oh, now I I dabble, but as a childhood as a child, sorry, I played the clarinet for many many years. Okay. Um. Yeah. Quite fairly seriously. And I, yeah, high school, I was in many different bands. I was in a Dixie band and played in a pub <laughs> once <laughs> and orchestras and all sorts. I've lost that a little bit. I'm not doing it as much anymore. But in my previous apartment here in Germany, we had a pan piano. So I taught myself a little bit of piano last year, which I was really enjoying. Right now, I'm not doing as much, but um, at some point I will okay. build something else. And I like having it in my life. Mm -hmm. Wow, you taught yourself how to play piano. Yeah. That's yeah, I have had a few lessons, but not much. I did a lot of it myself. Wow, very cool. Hmm. So do you have any kind of a morning or an evening routine? <laughs> it's interesting. I, go, I flip flop around this. I'm like... <laughs> No, I need to just remain. I'm not going to put any shoulds on myself, right? And what's happened when I've stopped saying, oh, I should be getting up earlier is that I'm just like, I'm just going to embrace my family life. So my morning looks like just 
sleeping until my son Max wakes us up. And then it's usually like a joint family breakfast and quite a slow morning. And then once he's gone and we've had our nice family morning, he's gone off to kindergarten, then I usually go out for a walk. I try and do a little bit of meditation as well and then try and start my day. And it's usually a bit of a late start, right? And then I'll do good solid four hours work and then I'm back on mum time when I pick him up. But I'm finding at the moment that's working really well for me. Mm-hmm. How about evening? Is there anything you do then or is that not? Oh, not so much. Again, because because I have a slow start to the day, I sometimes am working in the evenings um, or I'm just yeah spending time with people. Yeah. But I don't, I just try and get to bed at a reasonable hour and read a little bit. I like to read in the evenings before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Love the reminder of the slow morning. I admittedly, I will fall into because the phone is the timer. I will pick it up and then I'm just like, then I get sucked in and I'm like, Hollis, what are you doing? I know this goes against everything and it doesn't feel good. It's, I really appreciate what you're saying about um, the ease in and actually connecting. It's really connecting the family. Yeah, it feels good because I was I was almost not beating myself up, but I was being critical of myself for wanting to have this slow morning and feeling mm-hmm. like I should be getting up and being productive. But as soon as I let go of that and I guess the expectation I'd put on myself from reading stuff about whether I should be getting up and doing all the things in the morning, I just was able to lean into family time and just enjoy it a whole lot more and take that pressure off. And then I realized I don't actually need it. Like I'm a night owl naturally. Why not just use that instead of trying to resist it? Ah, love that. Stop resisting. It's like we, and like you said, take the shoulds out of it. Yes. So much of that happens and it's kind of a natural thing. It's comparison. It's societal. It's all of these things. Um, But it's like, if we actually get to know ourselves, and trust ourselves. Yes. Feels a lot better. When things sure just happen, happens. there's just better flow. It just is is we connect better with ourselves, we connect better with others, which creates more success and whatever that looks like for somebody. But it's just like we're more more open to ideas, we're more imaginative, we're more it, it's just I, ideas flow, connections are better. And then, you know, in the end we're we we make more money at things because we're just, we're not, we don't have all these preconceived shoulds. Well, I should do this. I should do that. It feels so restrictive. Yeah, I totally agree. My last two years has been removing the shoulds and it feels so good. I feel so much freer. Mm-hmm. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, which it always goes so fast, um, the third and final question, which kind of wraps it up and puts a nice little bow on it is, Why do you think creativity is important? I think for me, there's two core things. One is when we're not feeling like we're able to express ourselves fully, then I think we're holding a whole lot on the inside. And I think when we're doing that, it feels very, it feels like you're trapped and it feels painful. And so I think creativity enables for the individual 
like a whole lot of release of inner emotion and inner thoughts and a sense of freedom. And then the other part to it for me is more on, I don't know, whether it's community or even global scale. But I think when we're able to do this, if I bring it back to inner work, when we're able to do this inner work for ourselves, we heal ourselves, we're able to be more compassionate, we're able to collaborate. And I really think that that for me that feels super key when we're considering the world that we're living in right now and the healing that we need to do collectively to help address some of the issues that we've got, for example, climate change. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 got to happen. <laughs> feels super important. Does feel super important. Because we're all we are all connected. It's it's instead of taking away that individual that individualistic concept, we go inside to work on ourselves mm. to heal ourselves. That's an individual thing that we have to do. Yeah. But then, like you said, um, expression, release, freedom. When we do that, then we just feel more expressive. We yeah. feel more free. We feel, which then we can connect with others. It is, it, it's, you have to do the inner work in order to be able to heal the collective. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 100%. Because I think, yeah, there's more of us walking around able to do that active listening right and really listen and listen to other people's experiences and then team up and partner with other people then I think the results that come out of that are completely different and from a really different place mm. yeah wow perfect way to wrap everything up so Anne how can people connect with you I think the best way is Instagram at an a n n e lasse l a s s e coach and lasse coach. Okay. Wonderful. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else that you have to share top of mind? Anything that you feel like you forgot that would um, add to the conversation? No, I don't. I feel like I feel like where we just ended was the perfect place to end. Perfect. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. Likewise. Inspiring conversation. Thanks so much, Hollis. Yeah. I believe these conversations have always been important, but now I think that they are more important than ever. Please like, follow, share, spread the goodness because people really need to hear these messages in order to be able to see themselves in them, in order to be able to hear these people's stories, in order to be able to expand their thinking. It is so important to really understand that creativity is life and everybody has creativity within them. To find out more about what we offer, go to IamCreativePhilly.com and you will see that there are services from publishing, multi-author and solo books, kits, workshops and retreats to creativity one-on-one coaching. 
So if you are ready to unleash your voice, break through your blocks, and confidently share your story, I cannot wait to help you birth your ideas into the world.